Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad when he resurrects your life? Hallelujah. Got to slow down a minute when you think about the, the path or the destiny that you were on. God changed it. God changed it. Just like he brought Lazarus out of that grave, he, he brought your life out of a, out of a place that was, you, you may have been headed towards darkness. You may have been destined in that moment for hell, but God changed your path. And that's worth celebrating, church. He's got a good plan for you. He's, he, he, he is still the God of resurrection. Hallelujah. My message this morning is titled, Faith uh, Does It All. Faith Does It All. And I, I wanted to take a moment. Let me just... There, were, there are a lot of you here right now that were not with us on uh, August the 7th, two Sundays ago. And I mentioned this little, it was just in passing because it had occurred to me literally like a day before or two days before what had happened. But for probably two or three years, I'm just going to stick with that. I cannot tell you honestly, but um, I, I had a lump on the back of my neck, two or three years. And while it may have only been a cyst, I, I did ask my medical doctor about it and then a dermatologist, and they both told me not to worry about it unless something changes. It wasn't creating pain. Uh, the only one that really knew about it was my wife and, of course, uh, my barber because it was quite visible to him. And, and so um, I had come to that moment uh, a few days in advance of August the 7th, so probably around August the 5th, for whatever reason, I reached around, you know how when you have like a pebble in your shoe, or maybe uh, you get a crack in your tooth, or a mouth sore, you know those things that just irritate you, and you, your tongue's always going to a mouth sore, or uh, you know, and uh, you pebble in your shoe, you can't ignore it, you just, it's there, and you're thinking about it, and you're uh, and, and, and stuff like that. So this is what that had become. And over the course of a couple of years, I'm at every two or three times a day, I'm reaching back there going, eh, it's still there. Eh, it's still there. Uh, and I don't like it. It's uncomfortable to me. And, and, and it's some worrisome. We went on our vacation to a cabin that we attend. Uh, we have been for 16 years, been going to this cabin. And um, while we were there, for whatever reason, it started to swell and it became a little bit irritated. And so based on what doctors had, the doctor had said to me and the dermatologist, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. But it, when it becomes a problem, then you let us know. Well, it was starting to swell and get irritated. So now I'm thinking, what's, what's up? But I'm 16 miles from a hospital, our doctor, and... 
What am I going to do? I'm going to call him up. It wasn't an emergency as such, so I'm not going to see him. And so there we are sitting, and I think, you know what? Enough with this. I am tired of this thing bothering me. And so I simply said, God, I'm no longer going to carry this burden. This is no longer my problem. I am tired of this thing plaguing me. And I don't care why it's swelling now, why it's irritating me in this moment, but I want you to take it away. Just get rid of it. Now, I want you to know something. I reached around after I prayed that prayer, and it was still there. It was still there. But at that moment, here's what I did and what I said, and this is something important for the message today that I want you to latch on to. I said, God, I'm no longer going to touch it. I'm not going to worry about it because this is now your problem, not mine. It's now over to you, God. And I left it alone. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you it was at least two weeks later. I was just sitting in my house, probably sitting watching television or something. I reached around and I went, what's up? There. I, I Honestly, I did everything I just showed you. I, was doing, I kept touching and going, where? Wait a minute. It's gone. It's just gone. There's no lump. And I'm saying, I want you to understand this. This wasn't two days, two months. This was at least two years. It may be four or five years. It's been there. My barber can testify to it. And in fact, when I went to my barber a week and a half ago, I said, you notice anything different back there? He's looking at me and he's going, wait a minute. He's from Argentina, so he has a very strong accent. You, where did the lump go? Did you go to the doctor? Did he remove the lump? I said, no, didn't remove the lump. Didn't go to a dermatologist. I only talked to Dr. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he goes, what? wow, you got the miracle. You had a miracle. Just like that, he did it. He testified for me that Jesus had done a miracle. And he was one of at least two people that absolutely knew that it had been there and is no longer there. I could show you this morning, but you don't really need to see that. You can take my word for it. Now, I can tell you, I tell you all of that story that over the course of my life, I've prayed for a lot more important things. I've sought God over things that really did matter because this was nothing more than a minor irritation. And I've wondered, like you might wonder about prayers you've prayed, why didn't God answer those prayers, but he did that one? I mean, I got some serious things I'd like God to take care of, and this one is a low-level one. How was I able to muster appropriate faith in that moment with just a lump on the back of my neck? Now, I don't want any of you to get discouraged or disheartened. I've prayed amazing prayers and had God come through with amazing miracles in our lives. We've had it happen throughout the course of our life. But why that thing in that moment at that time? I strongly suspect that God was using that small matter to remind me that there's no area he cannot enter if we will apply our faith. 
You have to understand something. In the eyes of God, resurrecting the dead or removing a lump, same thing. Come on, wrap your mind around it for a minute. Both require faith for it to happen in our lives. But from God's perspective, it's nothing. Either is nothing. He can do it based on our faith and confidence in Him. So today, I want to encourage you in applying your faith in areas that seem impossible. And I'll have some things to you to, for you to tell your neighbor as we go along, as is typical for me. But let's go to the scriptures today for our inspiration and strength. And you see the title to the message, If You Can Believe, or the title is Faith Does It All. But my first section here is, If You Can Believe. And then we're in Mark chapter 9, verses 22 and 23. If you can believe. You know what? This is not working because the battery is dead. And this one, I believe, is a triple-A, ladies. So if you can help me out, yeah. It's a triple-A, and uh, maybe you can advance the slides for me until that happens. All right. Um, The Spirit often throws it. Give me the scriptures, if you will, Maria. Uh, We skipped the script. There we go. The Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. So let's look at the setup. Most of you or many of you will know this whole Bible story. You'll know more about it and we'll fill in the gap towards the end of the message. Uh, But let let me at least give you the background. You know that there is a father who has approached Jesus with a child who has seizures, and those seizures are demon infused. And in fact, the demon, the father describes it this way, trying to kill him by throwing him into the fire or the water. So we're not just talking about, uh, here you go. Yeah, I know you'll take care of the whole thing. So we're not just talking about the simplicity, if you will, not that that's a simple thing, uh, of, of a seizure. But in this case, the demon tries to kill the child. Now, the father has tolerated this or lived with this, if you will, for the life of this young child, this young man. And now he's not such a young man. But he's there and he's having to deal with this again. And he's come to Jesus because he needs help. And I want you to understand the plan of Satan. I want you all to hear this today. The plan of Satan is to destroy the young man. To take him out. Before he has an opportunity to know God. To be introduced to Jesus. And so that's been his goal throughout his life up to this point. And... I want to ask you a question, and this is important for all of you to entertain this question today. Think on this. What has kept the boy alive to this point? Or who has kept the boy alive to this point? This is important. Don't over-spiritualize this. It's explained to you in that scripture. How has this boy lived to this point? When he was cast into the fire, who took him out? His father. 
when he was cast into the water? Who was there to pull him out? It's important that you recognize this on the front end of this message because some of you are sitting here today and you're the lifeline to a family member or a friend that keeps them from being taken by the hand or plan of Satan. Don't over-spiritualize this. You have a role to play. Your parents have been placed in your children's lives and you're intended by God to keep them alive. Do your part physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. So that boy's still alive because his father has been there for him every time that he's fallen into the fire or another family member or friend. Some of you are at that point with something or someone in your life where you're ready to give up. Listen to me when I say this. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. You need to hear this morning. If you don't hear anything else, breakthrough is around the corner for you. God has a good plan for you in your life. You need to look out for what God has planned for you. Trust in Him. No matter what's going on around you. No matter what it looks like around you. What do you do when you've tried everything you know to try and nothing has worked? You keep going? Yeah, you keep going. Every parent who has ever raised a child to adulthood can grasp the pain this father is experiencing. Every one of you. You know full well, if you've raised a child to adulthood, you know what this father has walked through. He's in pain. He's in anguish. Why have I had to put up with this all of this time? He's taken him to everyone he knows to take him to. What do you do when you can no longer kiss his boo-boos away? You take him to Jesus. Now, the father has heard about Jesus and his miraculous power. But my question for you this morning, all of you adult mature believers in particular, who are you near that has heard about Jesus and is currently in desperate need? You heard it right. I'm going to repeat it so I know you got it. Who are you near that has heard about Jesus and is currently in desperate need? You are also one of his disciples. Can your neighbor come to you? With their child in desperate need, can your neighbor look at you? Can they talk to you about their problem or their circumstance or their situation? Now, listen, here's what the father does. He goes one more round uh, with spiritual men. That's what he does. I, I say it that way because... Wait, well, first understand, he had the right diagnosis, right? You, don't you love it when everybody gives you a diagnosis? Yeah, I said this in the earlier service. How many of you Puerto Ricans, what is your, what is your mom's go-to fix for every problem in your house? Vicks Vapor Rub. I don't know what you're saying, but sounds like Vicks to me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you know, like this, uh, Vicks fixes everything. 
right? You, you broke your leg. Let me put some Vicks on it. You know, uh, whatever. They, so everybody has a diagnosis. You, you know, when you get the sniffles, right now, of course, did you get a COVID test? Oh, yeah. Because nobody gets a cold anymore. Did you, did you go get yourself tested? You know, so everybody's got a diagnosis for anything that happens to you. They're trying to tell you how, you know, you got there and what you need to do to fix this. And now they'll, they'll brew up some stuff. Here, go cut some leaves off of your maple tree. Blend that with your uh, mulberry bush. Get some berries off of this. Brew that for 15 minutes. And if you can actually drink it, if it doesn't go down easy, put some castor oil in it. That'll fix it. That takes care of everything. Well, it'll take care of something. So he had the proper diagnosis. His son is aggravated by a demon and he throws him into the fire and into the water. What he does is he first encounters Jesus' followers or disciples, right? They're like the receptionist at the doctor's office that you start explaining too much to. You're going to tell her everything, and she's like, I don't care about all of your, you know, where that lump is. You don't have to point it out to me. I just need to know why you're here. But with the disciples, you know what happens, right? It only erupts into more fighting and anguish for the man. As he encounters the disciples, it only erupts into fighting and more anguish for this man. You know why that was the problem? It was because the disciples didn't know what they had at that moment. They didn't know what they possessed. They didn't know who they were with really. Let me explain this to you in natural terms. Some of you know this story, but there's probably more of you that do not know this story, so I'll tell it again. Um, When my oldest child, who is now 35, was about six years old, uh, he, he, uh, when my brother came up, which would be his uncle, so my oldest brother came up, and um, he was the one that was just here, Michael. And, and when he came up, it was around Christmas time, and uh, he loves to treat the kids really well. He always has throughout their life. And, and so when he came up, he said to my son, which was... Um, uh, our oldest child, and so he he looked at him and he said, in our hearing, Mark, we're going to go to the mall uh, tomorrow night, and we're going to go to the Toys R Us store, and you can have any one thing you want in the store. (laughs) I'm listening to this, and I'm going, hey, hey. That was right when Mario Brothers, the the first one, was coming out. So I'm thinking, all right, my son and I are going to have loads of fun on that. Because, you know, it was the first, it had first come out, and the things were like $260, $70, something like that. That's what I'm thinking in my head. 
And so we're all, we're all poised, right? We're all ready. And, you know, whatever. Bicycle, something, maybe a, a race car track, some, anything up and above $200. That's what I'm thinking. My son's six years old. Do y'all know what was popular when he was six years old? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Finish it for me. So we go to Toys R Us. I'm all ready. My son's coming out of here with a brand new... And I can't say anything. My brother put me to the word. He said, you cannot... You do not tell him what to buy. He gets whatever he wants. Y'all know what we came out with, don't you? It wasn't even a tithe of what I was expecting. It come out with all four figurines. Every one of them. Leonardo, Donatello, all four of them he came out of there with. He was happy as he could be. Why did I tell you that story? He had no idea what he could have had. Y'all with me now? You're making the connection? Disciples had no idea whose presence they were in, what they could have done, what they were capable of. My son had no idea. Now, he was happy. We went on to live, and one day he would get a Mario, whatever that thing is called, the old one. But the man goes to Jesus, and he says, what, what can you do? Can you do anything? Can you do anything? Perhaps you're asking a similar question of Jesus today. Maybe you've exhausted your confidence in humanity and transferred that to Jesus. Because that's what happens, right? If people look at us and they see the Jesus in us and they transfer that to Jesus for real and consequently Jesus is marred or the picture of Jesus is marred. And that's what happens with this man. He brings his son to the disciples, and they can't help him. He's still just as bound. And the father knows that. So the man asked the most painful question. He says to Jesus, he says it like this, Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. That's what the man said. Have mercy on us, Lord. Help us if you can. And I wonder for you this morning or this afternoon, has trouble and pain pushed you past your ability to confidently approach God? Have you got yourself in the middle of the situation and the situation now is taking a toll on what you think of Jesus and his ability? Has it marred your vision or view of the Lord himself because you're enduring the pain or the struggle right now? I can look at some of you right now because I know your circumstances or I know your situation and I know that that situation has marred your picture of Christ and his capabilities. So you're much like this father looking at God today saying, is there anything you can do for me? Have mercy on me. 
Somewhere, you see, Jesus, or this man had heard of Jesus' miracles, but the disciples' inability to cast out the demon caused the man to doubt Jesus' ability. Have you been walking with Jesus long enough to to, uh, see manifestations that you're not seeing? I know, it's a tough question. But I'm looking at many mature believers here. And and have you been walking with Jesus long enough? You should be seeing manifestations that you're not seeing. Oh, here. I'll take it from another angle. Bring you down one more notch before I bring you up today. But do your capabilities fall short of your expectations? Who's out there today that will be honest with this preacher and say, yeah, my capabilities have fallen short of my expectations? About half of you. Put your hands down. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and not have it answered? Lift your hand right now. So your capabilities fell short of your expectations. So all of you should have raised your hand. But now let's balance it out. On the one hand, the disciples had literally walked with Jesus for a year, year and a half, maybe two years at this point. Right? Literally walking with Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, they weren't able to get the demon out of the guy. And they'd been with Jesus. I mean, literally with Jesus. They'd seen him do great miracles. So cut yourself a little slack. Look at your neighbor right now and say, "Yeah, have a little grace for me. That's on the positive side. But on the other hand, you've been walking with Jesus. So let's step up. Let's step up. Let's go to a higher level, all right? So my next section, if I can. Jesus turns the question back on the man. Don't you love it when somebody answers a question with a question? My wife finds that particularly irritating. (laughs) Gets that little growl in her voice. Just answer the question. Wouldn't have asked it if I didn't have a real question. I'm not taking a survey. Jesus responds to the man... And I'm paraphrasing it for you in a way that I think helps you to see what's happening in this circumstance. As regards to your remark about my ability to help your son, everything depends upon your ability to believe, not on mine to act. Everything depends on your ability to believe, not on my ability to act, because I can do anything. The release of the Son is not conditional upon Jesus' ability. This is no challenge for Him. Do you know what's being tested? It's not Jesus' ability, but the Father. Here's another way. The Father's refusal to set limits on what can be accomplished by Him. 
That's what Jesus is turning back on the Father. Jesus is saying, He's saying this to you today. So tune in right now. Tune in. He's saying to you today, it's based on your refusal to set limits on where I can go and what I can do. Lump on the back of your neck, raising someone from the dead. All You can't remove it. You can't fix it. But God can. So what are you looking at right now? Thinking, I wonder if God would do this. Wonder if God would take care of this. Like this father. Help us if you can. I want you to take a picture of this next slide. I'm getting you set up. I don't, I cannot absolutely confirm where it comes from. I do believe it was from Matthew Henry's commentary from years ago. I picked this out of a sermon that I had and preached many, many years ago. Because it's so good, you want to take a picture of this. So get your phone ready. Here it is. In its struggle with temptation, faith must always free itself from the disastrous presumption of doubt. In the certainty that with God, nothing is impossible and that his majesty becomes most visible when human resources are exhausted. It's been said by other preachers before now. It's how I know it. When you get to the end of your rope, now God's ready to act. You stop relying on me. And that's, that's, I'm convinced that's why there's no lump on the back of my neck. Because I, I wasn't trying to go to other resources. I thought God can do anything. He can take care of this. And I don't care if it, it was starting to irritate me at that moment. And so, of course, humanity says, okay, now it's on. Right? What's wrong? This thing's going to be, you know, next thing I know, my brain is rotted. That's what if it, it, your, your mind will begin to tell you things based on your experience. But you need to take the experience of what the Word of God says for you and your life and apply that in the middle of your worst circumstances. Chase that doubt out. Don't let it have any place in you. Start talking differently about it. Because with God, anything is possible. Now, everything we've been talking about up to this point is from Mark 29, verses 22 and 23. I want you to see a parallel verse just one chapter later. This is Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them intently said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Just a chapter later. What are you looking at right now in your life that seems impossible? This verse begs you to look at what seems impossible and declare it is possible. And we We've taken to singing a chorus here in recent months. 
God, turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. Because he can turn around any situation no matter how bad it may appear. This verse indicates that through faith the believer shares in the sovereign rule of God and therefore either actively or passively experiences miraculous power. Do you know there's something about what you say? There's something about what you believe. There's something about what you speak. You're a participant in the sovereign rule of God. You can have what you say. So what do I mean by that? Changing what you say. If it doesn't build, if it doesn't fix, if it doesn't cure, then don't say it. Don't let it out. I have faith and confidence in God. He can do the impossible. I know that situation. I'm not telling you to deny what's paining you. I'm not telling you. I don't live in that world. When it hurts, it hurts. You can acknowledge it hurts. But you should also acknowledge that you serve a God who is capable of impossibilities. Faith must become visible. It is both spoken and believed. Active faith speaks of fidelity or trustworthiness and honesty. Look at it from the scriptures. Romans 3, 3 puts it this way. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? What does that look like in the real world? It looks like this. How many of you have ever heard this said by somebody? I quit going to church because the church is full of hypocrites. You ever heard? You heard that. About half of you at least have heard that, right? When, when, that, when that happens to you the next time, you're inviting somebody to church and I just got disgruntled at church. I just, I'm uncomfortable at church because, you know, the church has hypocrites and I've just seen too much. Look them in the eye and say, um, would you explain to me if they're an adult and have a driver's license, when was the last time you broke the speed limit? Just pause for effect for a moment. Make them think about it. Because if you drive 33 in a 30 mile an hour zone, you're a hypocrite. So I think probably all of us that drive vehicles, I mean, there may be the rare one or two of you that are fully sanctified. But the rest of us, We live in a world of hypocrites because we operate in that world that way. But that doesn't destroy the facts or the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his ability to transform lives. He'll take you out of darkness and bring you into light. Don't let the fact that somebody else's life is messed up keep you messed up. 
You know how many people in hell are going to be saying, well, those church people were hypocrites. All from hell. They're going to be saying that. They're not responsible for your spiritual life and well-being. Get to the place. Listen, if you want to buy new clothes, you go to a store that sells new clothes. If you want used clothes, go to Goodwill. Or the thrift shop. They've got them there. But if you want your spiritual life, why did I say that? Because if you want your spiritual life in tune and going in the right direction, you go to the place where they preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People shop in thrift stores wearing brand new clothes. Is that not hypocritical? So my point in saying, what am I getting at? Just get on the path, stay on the path, and ignore the fools in between that act like demons. But they say they're believers. Yeah. You're going to encounter them no matter what you do. It's going to happen. Because we're all trying to do our best. Uh, Some of us are doing better than others. We've cleaned up our language. We've cleaned up. The only thing's not sanctified is our right foot gas pedal. <laughs> maybe, maybe just a couple of you with patience issues. That at the two-minute mark at McDonald's, you, you've had enough. I shouldn't keep going, so I won't. Passive faith speaks of trust or reliance. The majority of times you see it in Scripture, it is belief in Jesus. In the New Testament, remember these, remember this, folks. In those days, the disciples were trying to convince people that Jesus was Messiah. So their task was to inform them, hey, he was the Messiah. And, and so it required faith for them to both teach it and for people to receive it. You remember, there were a lot of people troubled by people calling Jesus Messiah. They still are. They still are. That Jesus is their hope, their redeemer. They're still saying this. That doesn't make it... And that's a double negative. Can I say it without saying a double negative? I don't think so. I'm just going to do it. Pardon me, all of you English majors. It doesn't make it not true. It's still true regardless. Jesus is Messiah. Our only hope for spending eternity in heaven is Jesus. What is faith? There is no word faith outside of trusting that Jesus is who he said he is. Let me capsulize it in this next statement. This is good stuff and something you need to remember. If you don't have the notes, maybe this is another slide to take a picture of. Faith is trust in the person of Jesus. Why did we get there? The truth of his teachings and the redemptive work he accomplished at Calvary. 
It's all wrapped up in Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like for you? It means that there's nothing you can encounter that Jesus can't get you through. It means that there's nothing left over that Jesus needs to do. He already did what needs to be done for you to have everything that you need, including eternity. Let me bring it to a conclusion. I titled this section, If You Can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. So here's what Jesus does. I love this when Jesus does these kinds of things. He flips the switch on the father. He flips the switch. Uh, Remember this father tried this with Jesus' disciples, right? He already took the boy to the disciples. Do do you have the confidence to trust God even if it looks like it's getting worse? How many of you have ever prayed for something and it didn't get better? In fact, it got worse. And we don't like these things. When, when it operates that way, when it happens that way, we don't like it, do we? And realizing his Adam-like diversion wouldn't work, the Father looks for grace. Um, what do I mean by that? Y'all remember what Adam did in the garden? The woman you gave me, she's why I'm eating this, Lord. <laughs> so the man tries something similar. The disciples... Your disciples, they couldn't help me. But we can't help the fact that as we walk through life, we encounter people in situations, it tends to affect how we look at what we're dealing with, right? Where are my real people? So the Father makes clear that his faith and belief has been marred. I wonder if your faith and belief has been marred. I wonder if there's something that's happening even now as I speak that's marred your faith. And what does Jesus do? He he responds in grace. (laughs) Thank God the Father could dig down for one last hope. One last hope. Jesus, I... I do believe, but help my unbelief. If that's all you've got, then do that. If that's where you're at, do that. Don't fail to find a way through. To get your way through this situation. Don't lose your hope. Now, the demon demon doesn't leave quietly, does he? Got one more shot. I'm going to make a mess of things while I can make a mess of things. And what I want you to catch from that 
is that you have the ability to get the devil out of your situations and circumstances. That doesn't mean he's going to leave quietly. He never does. That's what this is a great example of. He never just leaves quietly. Because when he's been hosted, and some of you had the devil, you hosted him for years of your life, and you're still toying with I'm trying not to look at anybody right now. You're still toying with, I'm just looking at the exit sign. For those of you who are trying to get out of here because you're feeling the heat right now, what the preacher's saying, you're still toying with stuff. You're allowing the devil. I can't do that. i got to look at people. So just, just imagine it's somebody else that my eyes glance past. You're still playing with the fire. You're still giving the devil more opportunity to bring destruction in your life. Cast him out, turn around, repent, and get away from it entirely. Don't keep playing with it. What do you think's going to happen? It's not going to get better by your handiwork and your plans. It's only going to get worse. Stop hosting, playing with the devil in his playground. Get out of it. Because he's just going to make a mess of your life. He's, he's going to make the biggest mess he can. Thank God for Jesus and his presence. Because people thought the boy was dead. Jesus had another word. Because when Jesus stretches out his hand, that which looks dead comes alive. Hallelujah. What should that mean to you? It should mean that whatever state your life is in and your circumstances are right now, however bad it may appear, come on, stretch your hand again out to Jesus. Say, come on, Jesus, help me out. Help me out. I, help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Don't stop where you're at. There's no mess that you or the devil can make in your life that Jesus can't clean up completely. you got to give him a real shot at it. Those of you who keep playing on the edges, just one more time. Just, just one more time. I'm going to go there to the club one more time. I'm going to go to the, just one more beer, one more, one more glass of wine, one more dope of any sort. Any sort. You, you name it. Whatever you're... One more time and you're going to find out that the devil's going to shake you up and mess you up. And I hope you get to come back from that one, but sometimes you don't get to come back. And here's this preacher standing in front of you this morning saying, I'm throwing out a lifeline. Jesus is reaching for you one more time. Get out of the muck and the mess. Get on the right side of your circumstances and situations. Give Jesus a chance to get things straight and help you as you walk this out. All right, last point. Freedom comes as faith is manifested. Hallelujah. This boy who was bound from childhood is now freed. 
Think of what that must have felt like for the boy and for the father. The boy thinking, this is never going to happen to me again. I will never look like a fool. I'll never be cast into the water. I'll never be cast into the fire unless I intentionally get in there. What freedom that is for that young man. And then the father, that I don't have to always keep looking over my shoulder. Where's my boy at? What's my boy doing? What's he into now? Isn't hope better than a negative perspective? That's what I'm trying to give you this morning. Even if the best you can do is say, help my unbelief, then do that. If that's the best you can do, do that. Wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances, maybe you're a mighty person of faith. Maybe you've had God answer some seriously big prayers for you. But I'm still going to ask you today, come up a little higher. Come up a little higher. I I want you to be one of those people that lays hands on on a dead person and watches them come to life. The father in our story was literally looking at the answer to his problem. Looking at Jesus. Are you looking at Jesus now? Have you put your hope in Jesus? I wonder this question for you today. Is Jesus that real to you? Thus, If Jesus is present, your answer is there. If Jesus is present, he is the answer. Remember? Because the guy said, if you can. Jesus said, it's not based on whether or not I can. Anything is possible if you believe. What are you believing God for today? What impossible circumstance, situation, or struggle are you looking at right now? It's time to apply your faith to it. Stand to your feet, please. I'm going to get to you believers. But for a moment, would everyone please bow their head, close their eyes, not look around. Don't choose this moment to go to the bathroom. Come on, stay focused. I'm I'm dealing with people's eternal life right now. And I don't want any distractions. No talking, no whispering. Just close your eyes for just a brief moment. If you're in this place this morning and you stand in one of two places, the first being that you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins to be your Lord and Savior, but you realize that right now you are in desperate need and you need to get that corrected. That's one. For the most part, I suspect, you've heard the gospel, the second category. You've heard the gospel. You've heard a message about Jesus. You may have even responded to this altar at some point in your life. But you recognize that if Jesus were to rapture his church, if he were to take us out right now, or if, God forbid, you were in an accident on your way home and you didn't get the opportunity to pray a prayer and utter a prayer, you're not sure if you'd make it to heaven. If that's you, you sit in this second category and you want to fix that today so that you're sure you would go to heaven and you would remove all doubt 
talking to you. And then there's one third category. You think you're okay. You expect that you would go to heaven. But the reality is you still keep toying with the devil's schemes. And he's got a hold on you and you want God to break it. It's time for you to take the hand of Jesus. If you fit in any of those three categories right now, would you lift your hand right now where you are? Thank you. You can put your hands down. It's really easy to raise your hand in that moment. I know that. Because you know I've demanded that people close their eyes and not look around. But if you raised your hand, you meant business with God, and you're tired of letting the devil jerk you around, you want to be sure of your salvation and position with Christ, walk out of your seat right now and come down to the altar. Come on. Who'll be the first? Who'll be the strong one that says, I... I'm just going to do it. I'm tired of playing games. I'm no longer playing games. I'm being business today. You may have been down here before. Come on. Come on. You mean business with God. Let's get it right today. We got time for you and we got plenty of space. And look, I don't know that I need to say this, but I want you to hear this. It's not our business judging you. In fact, everybody in this place that's ever been at this altar is rooting for you. We want you to overcome whatever the battle is. Whatever destructive force the enemy's imposing on you, we're here to break that today. Those of you that are up here, most of you I recognize. I'm still going to pray a general prayer because I want you to get it right. And perhaps for the few that may be still out there that should be up here, I want you to pray this prayer. Father, forgive me. Come on, say it out loud. You're down at the altar. Father, forgive me for all my sin. tired of the devil jerking me around. I submit my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for coming out of that grave that proves that anything the devil's put on me you can cast it off so yank that sin out of my life give me power to serve you no matter what the devil tempts me with today I am yours I am a Christian I do believe in Jesus as my salvation I am forever His. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's rejoice together.
I know all of you and I have, I believe, all of your contact information. Um, John Maria maybe talk with the one lady here in the flower dress. God bless you folks. Come on. What do you believe in God for? What is your greatest struggle right now? With God, anything is possible. Tell your neighbor that. I love you folks. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you. We'll be back here on Wednesday night with our Bible study on Holy Spirit. I think there's some refreshment somewhere. Oh, it's Life After Row this Wednesday. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.